That is one of my all-time favorites, if not my favorite hit. And um, it's been a heavy week. Maybe not for all of you, but for some of us it's been a heavy week. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, we always say something uh, to the effect that um, we know it's, uh, it's not always happy for everyone. And uh, God knows that better than we do. And my prayer this morning is that um, you'll experience his nearness uh, in your sadness, if that is you this morning. And uh, you will know uh, his presence and that you can say, just as that song, that it is well with your soul. We're going to take a brief uh, pause uh, in our parable series this morning, and we're going to find ourselves in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 this morning. If you want to turn there, that's towards the end of your Bible, uh, towards the back half uh, in the New Testament. Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read the first 14 verses here in just a moment um, as you're looking for it. I'm going to title this message, Pray This Page. Pray This Page. Colossians 1. Verses 1 through 14. God's word says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and he's made known to us your love in the spirit. And then this portion is going to be the focus of our message this morning in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And I'll add to that this morning. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8 says this. The grass withers, the flower fades, 
but the word of our God will stand forever. So I could build a message this morning around it being Mother's Day, but I am of the deep, deeply held conviction that the best thing I can do for moms today is to give you God's word, to point you to Jesus, and to equip you to do what you're already doing so well. And I think we hear that as we pray this page this morning. And I contend that you take these words this morning, that these words could be upon your lips and your heart as you pray. Many years ago, I, I, I'm, I'm a young man, but I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not the young man that I used to be. Um, and there's a bit of an old soul trapped in this young man that makes its way out from time to time. And I don't, I don't know that I need to apologize for that. Um, but I, I, I've been removed from college for quite some time now. Um, and uh, I am very thankful for my college experience. Um, some of you uh, know, but many others may not. Um, I'm, I'm from this region, and I came back to this region. I went away uh, to college for four years uh, down in Virginia to Liberty University, which is a Christian university, a private school for that matter. And, I, and as far as I had it planned out um, before I met my now wife, um, Sarah, uh, I, I figured I'd stay here, uh, homegrown, and probably go to Marshall or somewhere, um, or maybe not even go to college. Uh, but I am very thankful uh, for my experience uh, as, my, as I went off to Liberty and, and was equipped with things that I don't think I would have had otherwise. And um, a Christian university is not for everyone, and I'll go on record for saying that. Um, we need faithful Christians who are going to the places where he is not honored, where he is not um, clearly present and working, um, but he is. He's working where there are people gathered. And um, whether you go elsewhere or you stay here, uh, God can and does intend to use you at whatever season of life you're in. And I bring that up to say that this passage of Scripture, Colossians 1, chapter uh, 9 through 11 uh, in particular, um, as a student leader at Liberty, I, there were, I, I spent some time as, as a prayer leader and um, in some other capacities as a student leader on campus, uh, we, were, we were asked, um, somewhat required, uh, to commit Colossians 1, 9 through 11, not just to memory, but to then take that and to apply it in our service of students. And get this, Liberty University... Structured, and I hope that this, I can still say this, is true today. Um, they've had their good and bad just like any school has. Um, and the press gets a hold of stuff and, and you don't know what to make heads or tails out of it. Uh, but Colossians 1 through 9 through 11, they structured the entire campus in such a way that they could tell parents when they came uh, to visit Liberty University and, and, and consider sending their school, their, their students to that school, that by design, their child and every other child, every other student on campus will be prayed for by name every single day. And the prayer that we were given to, to use as a guide was this prayer in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 11. And... Uh, 
I'm going to give you a little background, and then we're just going to get right into it. So the Apostle Paul, he writes this letter, Colossians, um, it, it, while in prison. Okay, This is a follower of Jesus. Uh, in fact, some would say that maybe Paul, apart from Jesus, is the greatest man who ever lived. Maybe the greatest man who ever lived. Um, and, and he writes this letter to a, to a collective group of Christians, just as there is here. It wouldn't look this way, maybe. Um, but he, he writes with gratitude for their belief, as we just heard, um, that the gospel has come to them and that it's changing their lives. The gospel is not just a message, but it has moved them to so love them, love those around them that they've been hit by a train of mercy and grace and they have walked away different. And so he, he's, he's encouraging them about that, but he... Um, he himself experiences suffering for his commitment to Christ and he's unwavering in his willingness to, to continue uh, telling anybody who will listen about Jesus no matter what it costs him. Um, the letter that we just read a portion from, uh, Paul wants for his brothers and sisters what God wants for his brothers and sisters. And he, he, he points them to the authority of Jesus that God, if we look in chapter 1, we'll see the, that, that he is, all things were created through him, through Christ. He points them to that. Therefore, he has ultimate authority. As we sang the song just moments ago, you are my king, do we realize what we're saying there? You forgave me of my sin. You also rule me. You rule me. You are my leader. You are my king. You are my master. My life is to be organized around you, not me and my self-desire. Paul wants this for them. He, he tells them about their life as they have come into union with Jesus Christ. Irrevocably united to Christ and, and what that means and how they should live their lives with their minds fixated on Jesus Instead of being swept up by the competing narratives and teachings that are coming maybe inside the church and then also from outside the church and being duped by that because it's still present even in this day, how to worship, how to live. Um, and Paul says that if our eyes are on Jesus, on this new life he's given us, we'll be continually repenting. We will be agreeing with God and disagreeing with ourselves, with our default sinful condition. We will come into agreement with what God says. Throwing away our old sin-stained clothes and getting dressed in the clothes of Christ-likeness. And he goes on and on and he just flushes that out. But here he talks about how he prays. And what he's asking God for. And I think it's safe to say without question, without hesitation, that what Paul prays today, you and I can pray for one another. And we have not any need whatsoever to wonder if God's going to honor these prayers. He absolutely with certainty is going to honor these prayers. His answer is yes to these prayers. In fact, I'd love to see what would happen if just a few of you took this serious what God would do in our midst if you would begin to pray 
God's heart for God's people and his, his solution to our problems and needs. And I tell you what, old Baptist preacher's coming out of me this morning, and I'm a non-denominational preacher, okay? But, but uh, I talked to Sarah about this just the other night. Um, I'm not one of those guys who does alliteration and, you know, has the four points. And I'm telling you what, it just came out. It came out of the text just easy. Okay, so here it is. Paul's prayers for these people, that they be filled, that they be faithful, that they be fruitful, that they be fortified. And then finally, this is where it all falls apart, that they be grateful <laughs> to the Father for all of it. Okay? So I couldn't come up with an F for grateful or thankful or, you know, that's where it came to die, but you guys will follow me. You'll remember the first four. Be filled. Paul's prayer for these people, as our prayer should be for one another, is that we be filled. That we be filled. What does this mean? What is he speaking of when he says that they be filled? He says that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will. This is that we would be filled, that they would be filled with the ways of God. And not only that, but the knowledge of God, as he says later in verses 10, he says that they would grow, that they would increase in the knowledge of God. Not just of his will, not just of his ways, but of who he is. Because his ways will never contradict who he is. And Paul wants them to be filled with that knowledge, to be ever increasing. As I want you and I to be ever increasing in who God actually is, not who we heard he was. In fact, Mark Twain once said that God created us all. He's, he's quoting scripture because he knew his Bible. God created us in his image, and we've been trying to return the favor ever since. And isn't that so true? And Paul would not have that for his people that he loves, his brothers, his sisters, and we can't either. We can't stand idly by and let people we love create God in the image of themselves. And so he, he lays it out, his prayer that they be filled with the knowledge of God's ways and the knowledge of who he is. And if we look to Romans 12, we're reminded, we went through Romans just chapter by chapter. We, some of you know this all too well, Romans chapter 12. Maybe some of you are hearing it for the very first time. Chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is. So what is the will of God? Well, God himself describes his own will as this, that which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. That means that if we settle for our own will, as, as, as Jesus, how simple is his prayer that he models for us, your will be done, your kingdom come. That without saying it, assumes that you and I want our own will to be done. We want our little kingdom of self to be built and established on this earth. And I'm telling you what, you do it starting in your home, you do it in your job, you do it in your relationships. We're all, to some degree, he's got us in the crosshairs right here. All of us. 
to be filled with God's ways, the knowledge of his ways, and the knowledge of who he is. And this means that it requires discerning because it says that with testing, this means that God's will is not always, doesn't come, you know, with, with having one Bible verse theology. You've got to have more than one Bible verse theology. You've got to have a comprehensive understanding of what God has said about you, this world, and where it's all headed. So the fortune cookie theology stuff is we've got we've to do better, church. We've got to do better. We've got to do better for one another. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We, this is just an anchor verse. We've got to set, up, set our anchor down here. And you've heard it. If you've been around church, you've heard this. And I'm thankful that some of you haven't been. I'll just say it. I'm so thankful that some of you here haven't been around church and you're hearing this for the very first time and you're like, wow, really? That's in there? Yes, it is. All scripture. That means every bit of this book that we hold, that we preach from, if we're faithful, is God-breathed. And it's profitable. That means that it is beneficial, that it will help you. In what ways? For reproof. That means it will show you where you are wrong. Do you like that? No. Do I like that? No. For reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Let's quit trying. Let's be training. Let's be trained, okay? Training in righteousness that the man or woman, I'll add, because this is the context here, of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Every word of God. Not just the parts we like. There was, I think it was said that Jonathan Edwards, not Jonathan Edwards, because uh, he, he actually got it right. There was another man that lived around that time that he literally took a Bible and he cut out what he did not like. <laughs> How insane! <laughs> Laugh, but you do too. Just because you didn't get the scissors out doesn't mean that you and I don't do the very same thing. Yeah, it did hurt. It hurt a little. It hurt, it hurt as I put, put it on paper. Um, and I tell you that to know God's will and to know his ways is to know his word. And I'm telling you, we don't just get, in, we don't just get into God's word to say that we have. You know what I mean. Because there's something in us that wants to check the box. There's something in us that, want, that feels good about checking the box. I feel good about checking the box. It pacifies my conscience sometimes that I, as the preacher, I made sure I didn't miss today. For heaven's sake. But we get in the Word of God so that the Word of God would get in us. You, you, you hearing me? Are you tracking with me? We get in the Word of God so that it gets in us. That means that there is a sense in which you can just get in the Word of God and it didn't get in you, right? It's not just that your eyes kind of gloss over the page. You get in God's Word and God's Word will get in you. You wrestle with God's Word, God's Word will wrestle with you and it will win. You will tap if you're paying attention. Who is God? He's holy. 
Do you know that? Do you know that God surpasses all things and he is unique to himself and he is perfect in all his ways? Imperfect in who he is. He's eternal. That means he's always existing. Kids love to ask the question, well, well, who created God or what was before that? Nothing. No one. It should make your head hurt. He is God. Always existing. He is sovereign. What does that mean? He, he possesses all authority. Every bit. He's judged by no one. He answers to no one. He's immutable. That just means he doesn't change. He cannot change. And if he cannot change, he is trustworthy today, no matter what, just as he was a billion years ago, and just as he will be a billion years from now. He's all-powerful. Yeah, sometimes we don't think so because things don't seem to be showing his power. The circumstances don't. But that's because he's all-knowing. And he knows when he needs to flex and when he needs not to. He is just. He is fair. But yet, he's merciful. And he is gracious. So he's not fair at the same time but he doesn't brush sin or sweep it or hide it in that closet because you all have one. We've got one. We throw all the junk in there when company's coming. That's where it goes. My whole bedroom is the closet. You don't get to hide. God doesn't hide the sin in there. He nails it to the cross. His son so that you will bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. So we're to be filled. That's the prayer that we can pray for one another and God will say, yes, I'll fill them. I will fill you. Not only that, but the prayer is that they be faithful, that we be faithful. He says that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but somebody literal like me is like, no one's doing that. Who, raise your hand if you're walking in a way that is worthy of the Lord. Not doing that. I'm not doing that. So it's like, uh, okay, so God says that he'll, he'll answer these prayers. What does that look like? It doesn't look like perfection. You've heard that in so many different ways. You need to hear it again this morning. It doesn't look like perfection. In fact, sometimes it looks like falling. But God ensures that you're falling forward. You're not falling backward. Sometimes it feels like you're going backward, but because he, you are kept, you are falling forward. You are getting closer to seeing Jesus face to face. And he has promised to conform you, I mean mold you into what he looks like, how he loves, and what he does. So be faithful. And I said this once and I'll say it again. It's part of the being faithful. The hard part is the changing of your mind, which is what repenting is. We see, see billboards that say repent repent and we automatically cringe at the thought like going to the DMV or the dentist or whatever place you dread going that's not repentance it's gotten a bad rap it really has in fact repentance is coming into agreement with God it is moving from your team to his team here 
And then it only makes sense, since we're called not to be hypocrites, that we live like it. Right? That, 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 that the way we live actually is consistent with what we think. And if our mind is changed, it would only make sense that our lives would too. So you're agreeing with God. Sometimes we equate repentance with turning around and going the other direction, but it's actually a change of mind that would produce a change in direction. So change your mind, and how will you do that? Well, he says, by starving, by starving your selfish appetites and by feasting on new ones. Basic counseling 101. You can't just say no, 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 no to a thing because when you do that, you must say yes, yes, yes to another. You will get nowhere. If you just say, I'm going to stop doing it, I'm going to stop doing it, I'm going to stop doing it. Some of us, we sin and we sin and we sin because we haven't busied ourselves with better things with more life-giving things, with people. We'd be faithful. And I am convinced that this is the underestimated metric of ministry. You know what I mean by that? The underestimated metric of ministry. What is a faithful ministry at Big Branch Church? That we be faithful. And then, you know what we do? We leave God with the results. We cannot produce results. I cannot produce results. I can take God at his word, do things his way, and trust that when I do things his way, he'll say, here you go. I'll give it to you. You be faithful with that. I might give you more. More people, more opportunities, more situations, more influence. Be faithful. And then he says that by being faithful, you'll be fruitful. Bearing fruit in every good work, verse 10 says. And I'll tell you what. We have got to, and I'm talking to me too, realize that since you cannot work for your salvation, that does not make work a bad word or a dirty word. Because you cannot work for your salvation means does not mean that there's no room for work. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, in fact, we love the verses that come before this. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, what does it it say? By grace you've been saved. Right, this is not not a work that you have done. It's a gift from God. What does it go on to say, though? We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. In fact, it is safe to say that we are God's music. And then what does that mean, though? We're not just a melody. He goes on to say that we are created new in Christ Jesus, which God, for for good works, which God prepared beforehand, meaning the good works that we do are God's idea. God's idea. So the good that you do, God's called you to. And it has nothing to do with earning your keep. Nothing. In fact, it's the opposite. It's gratitude for the fact that God will keep you. Because once he brought you into the family, once he adopted you, 
He won't cast you out. He can't. Remember, he's faithful. Remember, he's unchanging. And then we see that that fruitful thing, as I just said, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 actually says that what do we have that we don't, you know, that we didn't... That's actually 1 Corinthians 4. Who sees, it, who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you didn't, like as if you earned it? No, everything is gift, and we're on the receiving end of that. So there's no, no room for pride. Not at all. So we be fruitful. Faithfulness is our thing. And fruitfulness is God's thing. We're responsible to be faithful. In light of his faithfulness to us, that he will make us fruitful. And then we're to be fortified. Paul says that in this prayer that they be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And as you know God and grow in who he is, he supplies the power for you and I to withstand the crockpot weight in a world that only wants microwave. I mean, yeah, amen, amen, because we live and we have for some time lived in a society and a culture and a surrounding that says, just put it in there and nuke it. Just put it in the microwave and it's done. Okay, that is not what God has called us to. He's called us to wait. He's called us to slow is fast, small is big, upside down is right side up. And you better get used to it. <laughs> you better get used to it or you're going to be often scratching your head. You're going to be complaining for, for reasons that you don't need to because you're expecting something out of You've got false expectations of God and his word will set us straight every time. God's way of doing things is over time. Can anybody say yes? I've seen him do that in my life. It was not overnight. It was over time. Over time. Colossae, these Christians needed to hear this. You and I need to hear this. And then finally, that we be grateful to the Father for all of it. He says that in all these things, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. God has qualified you. You haven't qualified yourselves. Paul's prayer is that, that, this, that his prayer for them would result in prayers from them that would look just like his and would be about the heart of God. Are your prayers for others resulting in prayers from them? Once again, you just result. You just leave the results up to God. It's just a natural reflex when we receive these things from God and we see them to say two words. Thank you. Beloved, is your posture, the posture of your life, a big thank you? Of all people, we're to be marked by gratitude. I'm telling you, as hard as things can be, you and I know, if we're looking, there's reason to say, thank you, God. Thank you. If you know 
that you can talk to him, if you know that you have access to him, if you know that you will be received with open arms, all of that in and of itself demands a thank you. It only makes sense to say thank you. Thank you. And so are we praying these things and are we expecting them? Just a a few last words as we close. In application, who's defining the good life for you? Who who is defining the good life for you? Because if, if Paul's prayer and our prayer should be for one another, that we are to be filled with God's word, God's ways, knowledge of God then why are we letting competing news about what is actually good, why are we, why are we entertaining that? Why are, we, why are we letting that come through in our ears and mulling it over and saying, you know what, yeah, I think I need that, when God says no, you don't. Be content. Be content. Ask God for contentment, and he'll give it. It's not, it's not uncommon to hear, you know, when you ask someone how they're doing, for them to say, living the dream, what is that? What is that? We, we have the opportunity to live the dream by, as I said, starving our self-service to, and, and, and in service to Christ and, and feeding. What, what does he say later? He says, Starve your sexual immorality. Starve your anger. Starve your slander. Starve the the, the obscene, the the cruel, the coarse language that's proceeding from your mouth. Starve that. And instead, feed compassion, humility, forgiveness, love. When we're allowing the competing narratives to come in, then sometimes we're led by our feelings, aren't we? Is, is your um, understanding of God, that, does it square with Scripture, God's Word, what He has said about Himself, or with your feelings or faulty logic? Because again, we're not in the place where we can recreate God in our own image. But man, we'll sure try, won't we? And we're getting a whole lot of help. People will help us in that. In fact, Charles Spurgeon once said, Oh, that you and I might get into the very heart of the Word of God and get that Word into ourselves. As I've seen the silkworm eat into the leaf and consume it, so ought we to do with the Word of the Lord. Not crawl over its surface, but eat right into it until we've taken it into our inmost parts. It is idle merely to let the eye glance over the words or to recollect the poetical expressions, the the poetical expressions or the historical facts, but it is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible. Man, that's what I want for you and me. And are we actually engaging in good work together? And are we seeking ways to do that? Don't misunderstand. I said this. You You can't work for your salvation. You can't earn it that you can work hard for people to make it easy for them to say, this makes sense. <laughs> this makes sense. I, I, I actually, it, it makes sense that I would want to be a part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Making disciples together.
together. We need to work on strategy, absolutely, in this church. We do. We need to work on strategy. We need to improve our programs without question. Yet from these pages, we see it is simple. People. People have problems. People have needs. People are in our lives. We have the power of the Spirit. We have the commands of Christ. We have prayer and we have God's word. We have God's law that condemns and actually brings people to repentance by the gospel, which is his kindness that, sh- that, that, that actually brings about the change that we want. And, and, and once again, may we not want something out of somebody else that we're not repenting of ourselves. How dare we call somebody to repent or change and we're not willing to. And I'll ask this, how are we going to get through this? This, whatever that might be for you. I said it's been a heavy week. And I hesitate to say this, but I'm I'm going to. Thursday evening, there was a young man, 8th grade student at Chesapeake Middle School that took his own life. And Friday, I went into that school And you you can only imagine. And you and I can only think about what Mother's Day means for this, this woman. And how my prayer is that one day she'll be able to say it is well with my soul. Because some of you have been through some things and it's only God that could give you the gift to be able to say it is well with my soul. So how are you going to get through this? Whether it's grief, whether it's addiction, whether it's a particular season of school or work or disappointment or frustration with a certain person in your life or sickness or something someone has said or a family feud, how are you going to get through this? How are you going to, as Paul says, his prayer is that they be patient, that they endure, and they do so with joy. How in the world you're going to do it by needing God, not graduating from Him? Because our understanding sometimes is that life is good when we don't need God and we're not crying out to Him all the time, when in fact that's quite the opposite, isn't it? Could it be the very thing that God's taken out of your life is the thing that demands that you need Him? Sometimes we're like, oh, man, life is going so good. I don't remember the last time I had to pray. Are you silly? I don't have any prayer requests. Yeah, you do. Yeah, we do. You're needing needing God, and you're also needing others. You're needing. You are needy. You're needing other people. I am needing other people. I can't do this by myself, and neither can you. Because most of the application here is not individual. It is relational. Most application from God's Word is not to be done in a vacuum by yourself. It's to be done with people, on people's lives. And then finally, are you enjoying your adoption? Are you enjoying your adoption? He says towards the end there that his prayer, once his prayer is over, he can't help but say, All this prayer really hinges on the fact that God has delivered us. He has transferred us. He has adopted us into a family that we didn't belong in. 
He did the work. He transferred us. In fact, it says from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom, kingdom of his beloved son where there is light. I don't know about you, but in darkness, I can't see much. But in light, I have clarity. I have clarity. And, and, and that's what my adoption brings. It brings clarity on things in life that I am loved no matter what. Of course, the next life is better than this, but we don't need to retreat now. We don't need to retreat. In, in fact, we're to be revived. We're to be dead in our sin, but alive to Christ. Amen. And so if you would, stand with me.